Hi everyone, it's Karen Chong. Welcome to another episode of Mastering Your World Through Frequencies, where we explore how frequencies shape our world and begin to release the unconscious patterns that keep us stuck so we can realize our greatest potential. How do I find an intimate partner that's of a higher level resonance? And how can I make my intimate partnership better? Are two questions that I often get. It can be a challenge to find an intimate partner that you want to grow, play, and adventure with, and it's an altogether different challenge to make an existing partnership even better. Today, I'm here with my husband, Chris. Chris and I have been together for 28 years and have gone through and witnessed massive transformation in ourselves and in the other. As our frequency resonance has risen, how we each view intimate partnership has changed and how we are in our partnership has shifted significantly. We definitely still have lots to learn and along the way, we have learned a lot about how to navigate the humanness that we are in our spirit journey. Today, Chris and I will be giving our take on intimate partnership and I'm curious to see where this conversation goes. And after the discussion, we get to the most important part of this episode, the group frequency calibration associated with this episode is where the frequency work happens and where change actually occurs. So be sure to listen to that. Without releasing distortion patterns targeted by the GFC, the change you want will be more difficult to attain because you haven't addressed the root of the issue. So let's get going. So the first question we, we get here is, uh, what's the number one obstacle you faced before frequency work as a couple? And what has changed since then? Well, to answer that question, I actually feel like it's an individual answer because I think as much as we are a couple, we are individuals within the couple. Sure. And I feel like it was more about what are the things that we each had challenges with individually that impacted the couple dumb. Right. <laughs> you want to think of it that way or the mastermind. Because as many of you know, as soon as you have two people together, you formed a mastermind. So an intimate partnership is a higher level or more intensive mastermind. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, the things that I was the most challenged with, which I think impacted the way we were together the most, there's so many things, but <laughs> the ones I think that probably were the most difficult for me and for you in relationship with me probably were, it was really hard for me to be still because I was so driven. So I would always just drive us to work all the time. And that's because I had a lot of scarcity stuff. Mm -hmm. So the fear of not having enough really uh, drove me. And I think it was really hard for you to be with that because your pace is a little, is slower, slower than, than yours. Yeah. By a good, by a good margin. And when you have somebody that's as strong as a driver as I am, fueled by fear, it's very unpleasant I think, yeah. to be around. And the pace gets really, really, really high because it's frenetic. And that was, I think, one of the biggest challenges of four frequency work that we had in our partnership is, yeah. is me in terms of my ability to like be still. Right. I and, and with no obvious solution either because it, it, wasn't, it wasn't really about a matter of how much we actually had. It yeah. just simply was there was never enough. Yeah. So there was never going to be enough because it just that's the energy that's behind that, that level of scarcity. Type yeah. Of thing. So those patterns were super deep, yeah. super uh, old from my lineage and culture and that type of thing. Mm -hmm. So once I started to release those, then I actually was able to drop into more stillness right. and also be able to hold my space, meaning I wasn't like pushing into yours as much right. as my Which is, a, a, in a way, like almost like a, a, an attempt to control, yeah. right? I mean, really, because that's that the fear leads to the control because yeah. you want to like, you want to sort out all the variables to make sure yeah. there's going to be enough. And yeah. one of the variables is, is my husband doing enough? Right? I mean, <laughs> yeah, it's not just my husband. Is anyone yeah, around me exactly. doing enough? And you have to be closest, right. so unfortunately for you. Uh, we were also, just for people who don't know us, we were running another business together. So Chris and I were in real estate together mm -hmm. uh, for a long time. So we've been in partnership together, not only intimately, but also in business for many years. Yeah. And so... Uh, like over 20 now. Over 20, yeah. yeah. And so as a result, I mean, that's our business partnership. We've been an intimate partnership for almost 30. Yeah. So it's been a really long time. So anyway, once I was able to hold my space. So if you don't know what holding your space is, please watch, I think it's episode one. 22 steady she goes hold your space um holding your space is not only about people coming into you meaning not having them impact how you feel but mm -hmm. just as a reminder it's about not bleeding out of your own space and trying to control someone else right so i couldn't do that at all because i had so much fear 
distortion running through me of not having enough. So as a result, it really drove you in terms of the pacing, and also I couldn't be still. Yeah. So not much fun. Right. <laughs> not as much anyway. Fun. It's not like we didn't have yeah, fun. Yeah, of course. We always there was tons of fun, fun. but at the same time, yeah. there were lost opportunities for like more play and more just more more like a lighter easier time as well yeah exactly and also um for chris it was like he would have to um because it was so intense you would often have to like step away a little yeah. bit from the relationship not in terms of sexually with another partner but just you know go on your own adventures or right yeah well and that, that actually i mean from my take that that is actually still important anyways i mean mm -hmm. i think totally maybe different people have different levels of need for that but i know for me personally I need to just have my own space sometimes, just to do absolutely nothing. It's nothing important, or it does. It's not like significant yeah. what I'm doing. It's just need to be on my own rhythm, my own pace. Especially because, as you mentioned, we have very different timings, and I think yeah. we had a different, or I don't know if it's a different episode we did or something. Or I don't know. It's come up before. We we're talking about different people's approach to time, and and like yeah. the, some people take two, like you take two minutes to to like get engaged on some new thing, and it takes me like two days, and other mm -hmm. people will be two weeks, and so you need to sort of calibrate around that yeah. and if we're if we're working at the at the common denominator pace sometimes we need to step back and have our own pace yeah, as well to right? reset it's really important yeah. i feel like that's a really big game changer for a lot of people if uh, for those of you out there in intimate partnership it's to honor that part of holding your space is to understand the other person's rhythm and timing mm -hmm. and if there's like you said a common denominator where you speed up and I slow down, it's really important to have these little breaks where you can be in your own time, sort of natural, your rhythm. own natural yeah. rhythm, because that helps you reset and yeah. um, center in a different way than when you're together in a mastermind. I feel like it's really helpful, yeah, and it f helps you feel more nourished and able to come back into the partnership in a way that feels good to you, right? As opposed to like you're always like if you're the person who's a little bit s slower and there's nothing slower sounds bad but it's just that's your rhythm right you feel like you're being dragged and the person is going slow it's like oh my god speed up you know right. so at least when you're in these moments of time where you have your own rhythm it feels like okay now i can come back into this common denominator yeah. in a way that feels good actually this segues into one of the challenges i always had which was was holding a, a boundary mm -hmm. because i was i i had a sort of I don't know if it's that I didn't know who I was exactly or whatever, but it's just I had to sort of... You're very empathic. I, I guess I'm pretty empathic. I feel other people a lot. And so I, I, it was sometimes hard for me to be certain of where my boundary was. Mm -hmm. And simultaneously, I was running a lot of patterns of, of self-sacrifice. Mm -hmm. So what would happen is someone would ask something of me, whether it's you or anyone else, they'd ask. And I wasn't clear where my boundary was, so I would just say yes. And I'd say yes, and I'd say yes, and I'd say yes. Until... It got to the point where I felt like I was actually literally being like being drained or extracted from. I would endure it for a long, long time, even though I felt not so good about it because I was yeah. running self-sacrifice patterns. Yeah. And then eventually, what would happen is it would get it would feel so extractive, not because of the person doing it, but because I kept on saying yes, 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 well, belong, well beyond the 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 place where it was reasonable to keep on giving. Mm -hmm. And eventually, I would just like go into a rage because I was like, this person is taking so much from me. Yeah. But the thing was. I was just, I was the one who kept on extending, 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 well, extending was, without, because yeah, I wasn't holding, holding a boundary. Space, yeah. And I wasn't being clear on what was okay for me, what wasn't okay for me. And I just didn't even know to do that, really. Mm -hmm. And it just was an automatic reaction at some point where it felt like so, so much was being taken from me. Like, how could it take so much from me? Yeah. But the thing is, well, <laughs> because I said yes all the time. Yeah. But I wasn't realizing that, like, I was the, it wasn't about that person asking. It was about me not knowing when to set up a boundary and say, oh, no, I'm not okay with that anymore. Yeah. And even I feel like just internally being strong enough to know where your your end was and there was. Yeah. I mean, I know you've been talking about it as setting a boundary. Yes, there's a setting a boundary, but also I feel personally, my experience of you anyway, mm -hmm. is that you're very aware of your internal space, meaning like you're aware of your spirit body. So when people come into it, even me, you're like, no. Mm. You know, it's like well, when now you feel, maybe. Yeah, now, but, that's but what I'm before, saying. Yeah. Before, you couldn't tell that, right? Yeah. So it wasn't even about, I mean, yes, it was about setting boundaries, but that was an extension of you couldn't tell yeah. where you were. Right. Like you had a more what we call a fuzzy sense of self, which um, is another episode if you don't know what a fuzzy sense of self is and the consequences of that. Uh, please check out that other episode. It is important. But that's what would happen is for right. you, you had a fuzzier sense of self. Right. And so therefore, it was harder for you to know where you were and even to set a boundary because how do you set a boundary if you don't even know where you are? Right. So, yeah. yeah, and that was hard. And what would that what would happen is like between you and me, what would happen is that I would, without even you knowing it, mm -hmm. actually without me knowing it, until it got to the point where I would be angry, yeah. I would just, 
I would give beyond what I thought, what I wanted to do. So you would ask, hey, can you do this? Can you do this? Can you do this? And I'd keep on saying, yes, 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 yes. And then at some point I'd be like, will you stop asking me to do stuff? And, it would, I, and you're like, where did that come from? Like, yeah. why, why did you turn into a maniac all of a sudden? And so um, like having that sense of self really, which developed through doing all the frequency work, um, it's been a really amazing transformation, um, has helped me be able to assess way sooner, mm -hmm. am I okay with that? Mm -hmm. Is that I feel like that's too much? Um, not not just with you. This is just. I mean, this is. We're talking in the in the context of our partnership, but it goes. I mean, it was the same with any other person anywhere. It wasn't really about a partnership. It was just about my relationship to anything outside of myself. Mm -hmm. um, and now I have a much greater sense of like where that boundary is. And with fewer self sacrifice patterns, it doesn't. I don't have a sense that if I don't like that being kind has to mean I'm. I, I need to deplete myself in some way or or give too much of myself. Um, so you can still be super compassionate, super kind, and that sort of stuff. But just know like, that there's a limit, and you don't need to injure yourself in order to be kind to someone else. That's not really being kind. That's something else altogether. That's being a martyr. Yeah. Um, and so I think that's changed a lot. Yeah. And I, it's interesting because you would think that as a result of that, I would get more angry or something, I, I mm -hmm. imagine, or something like this, because you're holding your space differently yeah. or whatever. But because uh, we were both changing in different ways, mm -hmm. and I was learning to hold my space better, and you were holding your space right. better too, but in different in ways. In different ways, yeah, exactly. Actually. You from um, going out, and when me you from coming, like, yeah. well, coming in. So what happened is that you know we've I, I feel like we've always had a, a very great respect for each other, mm -hmm. and also a real desire to have ourselves be the best that we are, and the other. Right. And so I feel like that's gotten stronger because, and it's really good because it's a really I feel for me you're very clear where I do bleed out of holding my space. Right. And I feel it immediately because I feel it in you. Yeah. And so it's a really good, fast feedback yeah. on how, when I'm not, I'm not holding my space properly. Right. So I feel like that's really helpful. I want to point out that, yeah. so you were, you're talking about it as far as like, you're really good at feeling me, like feeling that about me and I'm feeling it. So if you're not, so, if you're someone who doesn't have that level of like intuition or, or sort of the sense about the other person, Another way to approach that is just using proper like good communication, oh, for sure. like clear communication, instead of just like what used to happen was I would get angry, and then of course once I'm angry, then you're going to respond to my anger, and it's yeah. just it doesn't it's not it's likely to be very good, right? <laughs> it's hard to turn that into a really nice scenario. Yeah. But if you can if you can use communication a communication style that's not not combative, mm -hmm. um, like did you may not know, but uh, when you do this, I feel this way, or things like that. That's not an accusation of you. That's just mm -hmm. informing you that when you do this, I feel this. And there's no disputing that I feel this. Mm -hmm. So that's one way to, for people who aren't like so keyed into how other people feel mm -hmm. um, to approach things is like just be very like gentle in communications. Yeah, and I would say that that's true. And even yeah, and I, I agree. And I think that even with people like us who are intuitive about the other. Communication is really key because you can make all kinds of assumptions yeah. or um, you have your own patterns which are filtering your response. So I think it's really important, irrespective of how intuitive you are or what level you're at, to actually communicate verbally. It's mindfully. Really, yeah, mindfully. Yeah. yeah. And I think what the other benefit of frequency work in our in, in the change of who we are yeah. is for me, and you mentioned not taking things so personally, yeah. I would say the same is for me as well. Mm. So that if you're saying something to me and you're like, Hey, hey, you know, like you're you're trying to like, why are you trying to get in my space or whatever? It's instead of taking it personally, which I would have before, you right. know, like I got hurt feelings, like now you're angry at me, yeah. like what a jerk, whatever it is. Right. Because I've become a lot stronger and because of the change in me in terms of my frequency resonance, I take that as like, a, oh, wait a minute. It's not so much about you. Mm -hmm. It's like, it's about me. Yeah. Like what is, oh, okay. That was a little bit of a check there. So instead of getting angry at you, which right. might be a common response yeah. before. Like very automatic. Very like, automatic, like you're a jerk, like yeah. you're whatever. I'm like, wait a minute, he's telling me that because I have yeah. overstepped. Like I am not being mindful. Yeah. I am bleeding outside of my space. Okay, let's pull all that back in, be aware of myself, come back to my center. Yeah. So meaning that I'm more aware faster of what's happening. I'm more neutral and I'm more distanced from my thoughts and emotions. So instead of taking it personally, right. I'm able to receive that as constructive criticism to be able to And see if there's correct. some truth in that, right? Because exactly. I mean, when someone else says something to you, it may or may not be like true, reasonable, whatever. Like mm -hmm. you don't, they're not, it's not necessarily correct just because someone says something, yeah. but it also may be, there may be something to it. So yeah. it's like, if you can have that distance from your immediate reaction, mm -hmm. as long as you have that little, that little break in there, a little space, because you can maintain some level of observer, observer 
then you can see, assess, like what what is there? Is there a kernel of truth in that? Exactly. Um, and then that's another. I think there might have been another question. So we'll just something about. Um, I actually don't know, remember what the question is. I was going to read it later, but in this same discussion, it's it's an understanding that whenever there's an issue, even though a lot of times like the, the very ego-driven or not the the very ego-based sort of response to something is to think everything is someone else's like problem or or fault or whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think part of doing the frequency work too is just remembering that we are creators of our world, whether we're doing it consciously or unconsciously. And when things show up that are crunchy. Um, it's not always someone else's fault. Oftentimes, <laughs> yeah. very, very often. Almost always. Almost always. It's something to do with us too. Yes. I think there are a million examples of that, but it's like remembering that I am a primary player in my world regardless of what's going on. And a lot of people are running victim patterns, which I think I used to run a little bit too sometimes, mm -hmm. uh, where you look out at the world and the filter is everyone's doing something to me. Mm -hmm. And it's, I mean, when you're seeing through that filter, it's very hard to see like, oh, I may be having something to do with it too. Mm -hmm. Even if all it is, my only role in it is running distortion patterns of victimhood, mm -hmm. which is then being broadcast out and then attracting that sort of energy back. Mm -hmm. And then again, it's not a blame thing. I'm not blaming victims. There's no like, but that's not, that's not what I'm saying at all. I mean, if people are doing bad stuff to you, they're doing bad stuff to you. However, like there's always some level of responsibility. And that's one of the major distortion patterns that can come up for people is, um, is that of victim. And when you're like, that's just what you're calling in, whether you know it or not. And so taking personal accountability is huge. And remembering that you're always playing a role. I mean, I guess the old expression is it takes two to tango. Mm -hmm. But it is true. Like, if there's an altercation, it, it, it involves two people. And doing the frequency work has allowed me, at least, to, to look at my own myself and say, what role have I played in this? What patterns am I running that have caused this? Or what am I, even before I knew about patterns, I guess, I would even say, like, what what habits do I have? Or what what world? Worldview do I have or outlooks do I have that are causing me to see things this way? Yeah. And the more any individual in a partnership can take responsibility for for what's happening, the better it is. As opposed to looking for, oh, you did this to me and you did this, and, and like then it's just a blame back and forth, and there's no winning in that. Totally. Yeah. Cool. Okay. Um, another question was, how has our relationship changed as our freak, uh, How has your relationship changed as your frequency resonance has risen? I think we sort of answered that. Yeah, bit, I think we went on a long tangent. Long tangent. There. Um, so yeah, so I think I think we've answered that, mm -hmm. and I would say that I, I would say that we're much more. I think our relationship is stronger. Mm -hmm, for sure. Because we as individuals are stronger. Absolutely. Like much, much, much more so. Yeah. Uh, I think we have a lot more clarity around, or maybe I shouldn't speak for you. For me, I would say that I have more clarity um, um, around my own space um i i am aware when i need help or like um and need help that sounds like a funny thing to say but it's sort of like sometimes there are moments in my humanness mm -hmm. where it's helpful to have somebody mirror being really present okay so you know we all go through periods of crunchiness or detox or whatever it is mm -hmm. and it's not that i need you exactly but by you just being fully present right. It reminds me, oh, that's right. That's where right. present is. So what you're saying is you don't need me to provide a solution. That's correct. Right? So you're not like needing me as in as like I gotta do something. It's just simply if in this in this kind of scenario, okay. if I'm fully present, that being heard and having that sort of present presence and the connection helps you process whatever is yeah. going on with you. And it's just faster, yeah. right? So it just um, helps um, we can all get back to center. It's you know, we all can do it in different ways. Yeah. Um, what I found is that and sometimes if I just reference you, I'm like, oh, that's right. He's in center. Oh, I know how to get back into center. Mm, yeah. I just entrain myself back into center. Right. Does that make sense? So yeah. it's like it's like a reference point yeah. that I've forgotten for just a wee second there. Right, you know, right. I'm just like in my humanness. And then I'm like, oh, right. Okay. Yeah. Right. He's in center. Okay. Uh, right. Now I'm going to bring myself back into center. Yeah. So that's really helpful. It is. And it's like that's something that I think has changed. The question is like, how has relationship changed? I'm also able to be more present. Mm -hmm. than I used to be as well. Mm -hmm. As as you get more solid internally, somehow or other that allows you to be more, or allows me, has allowed me to be more in the zero point more often so that when I'm listening, I'm just listening. And also what I've noticed is that, uh, I think this might be a, a, tend to be a masculine mm -hmm. uh, trait. So not necessarily, I'm not talking to specifically men, but like the masculine mm -hmm. trait yeah. will be try to solve problems. Mm -hmm. And so sometimes what I've learned, and I don't even know if it's exactly a frequency work thing, but I've just simply learned that 
sometimes when you're when you're coming to me with concerns or an issue or something, sometimes you're actually looking for input as far as like, can you help me solve the problem? Mm -hmm. Other times you just simply want to be have someone be there, have me be there and just hear you. Mm -hmm. And so that's the one thing I've noticed that with our relationship as well that's very important is for me as a, as a masculine, um, like person running mostly masculine uh, traits or whatever, masculine energy, to know when I'm trying to solve a problem and when it's time just to listen. Because mm -hmm. uh, sometimes it feels like foisting also if I... Um, if I'm trying to solve a problem, you don't really want me to solve a problem. Oh, I uh, see. You know what I mean? You're kind of like, I don't, I don't want any solutions right now. I just want to be heard. Um, <laughs> so that's a thing that I've noticed that helps help make our relationship better. Was it me distinguishing? Like sometimes when you do want, you want one thing or you want the other. Mm -hmm. uh, that's helpful. But yeah. um, what's the best thing and also the hardest thing about doing frequency work as a couple? Uh, well, I would say the hardest thing is if you're both detoxing at the same time. It's true. It's not awesome. <laughs> it's terrible. <laughs> because, well, especially if you people, if you happen to be people like us. So if, meaning the sense that we feel the other person, mm -hmm. right? So awareness of the other person. So it has been where sometimes like, I feel you being upset, but you think I'm upset with you. So it's like, do you see it? Like we're feeling each other's like right, upsetness. Right. And we're in detox, both of us, and it just gets can get messy. <laughs> yeah, kind of crunchy. Stuff. Can get really crunchy. Yeah. And um, so that's probably the, that's that's not great. Yeah. <laughs> that's the hardest thing about. I would say, um, what was the question? It was the most challenging thing of. Yeah. Um, What's the but, best thing and then the hardest thing? thing about doing frequency work. But what I will say is um, the best thing, from my perspective, is that because you're in a mastermind together. Mm -hmm. If you're both doing it, the acceleration can be enormous. That's 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 my been in my experience of it, um, and um, that the other person understands when you're going through detox, yeah. and can hold their space better when you're doing it. So the, um, you know, if if you're going through a crunchy period, I say, is there anything that I can do for you? Do you need my help in any way? Yeah. And if the answer is no, I'm like, okay, yeah, okay. When you're, if you if you need it, I'm here. If you don't, you yeah. go through whatever you need to go through. And likewise, and I feel like what's really lovely about frequency work is that you don't take that personally. Like you know, I'm not like, oh my god, he doesn't love me because he's not helping me. Like I don't expect you to rescue me. Mm -hmm. I'm just like, okay, he's asked me. He's here for me. I actually don't have an action for him to right. do because really, this is my thing to sort out. You know, I appreciate the willingness, but I don't take it personally that you're not like swooping in to save the day. Does that right. make sense? Yep. So I feel like that's the best thing. I don't know if you have anything different yeah. to add to that. The only thing I'll add to that is that um, one thing I really, I don't know if it's the best thing, I don't know, <laughs> but one thing I really do appreciate is sometimes when there are detoxy sort of crunchy periods, yeah. I think I'm especially susceptible to it more than you are perhaps, which is that I get into a, a state where it's, everything seems like it sucks and I don't, <laughs> it's almost like I, there's some, there's, some, like the, there's some level of inertia there that's keeping me stuck in this stuckness. And I don't really want to solve it. It's like I just want to like there's something about this. Like everything sucks. I just want to stay there. And you're like, hey, wouldn't it be better if you did this? I'm like, no, I don't want to do that. But the only reason, I, I mean, it's true. Like if you, like 100% true that what you just suggested would make me feel better. But I sometimes just don't want to do it. I don't want to receive that information because like I, I don't know what I'm just in that in that state. And so yeah. what I appreciate, and it's it's a very very fine line because another thing we could talk about is trying to control the other. Mm -hmm. And when you think you know what's best, so if I'm in a crunchy state, detoxing. And you're like, will you please just go outside and do something or whatever, go for a motorcycle ride or, um, you know, just go in the garage and, and do something. You know, it's true mm -hmm. from past experience. You've seen it a million times. I'm in a state I, like I need to do something different because I'm like, I'm a, I'm a person who does things. I don't need to think differently because I'm already like I'm already in a yucky place thinking I need to go do. And um, you're familiar with that. you're aware of that. And so you are trying to remind me that that's so but without trying to control me and it's a very fine line and I think you're actually line. really really good at it um, yeah. and, and, and getting better yeah. um, so that you're able to somehow get me to recognize that I really do need to do something else yeah. to change my state um, without making me feel like you're trying to make me do something yeah um, because that is another thing that can easily happen in relationships is trying to control the other person right yes. and that's part of holding your space like we talked about yep. and it happens all the time because yep. And it happens not only in your personal, like your, your intimate partnership or whatever. It happens with friends and family too, where you think you know what's best for them. And you can be 100%, you may actually be right. You may think that you know what's best for them, but it's not quite true also. You never know. But it's like, where do you, where do you 
stop from suggesting, you know, there's a line between suggesting and recommending and then trying to like cause something to happen. Yeah. And it's like, it's important sort of to feel that out in all your relationships to make sure that you're not going beyond that level of like, hey, if you want my opinion, I'm here, just ask me. Yeah. I mean, that, that's, that's very, very like leaving it to the other person. Uh, and then there's the, you should do this and then that's very yeah. controlling. Yeah, and I would say for those of you who are in intimate partnerships and feel like you know what's best because you can see it in the yeah. other person and you've done it in the past or you can very clearly see what the better trajectory would be if they just simply shifted in such and such a way. Mm -hmm. So um, for those of you who want to know how I do that, the, the most important thing is to hold your space. Mm. So be completely neutral in whether or not you take my suggestion. Right. So it's like, hey, I notice that you seem to be struggling a bit. Have you noticed that? And even in you saying, yes, I'm in a crunchy space, it like takes you out of it a little bit. Right. Okay, because you've done enough frequency work that you're like aware of. You have of some level of observer, observer even when you're really in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I'll say like, you know, in the past, it's been really helpful if you've done this or, you know, often it helps when you do this. Which is just a fact. Yeah, right? which is it's just like, true. Like there's yeah. nothing to debate yeah. because it's often happened. Yeah. And I'll say like, you know, you may want to consider. consider doing yeah. that. But if you don't, that's okay. You right. can stay in this for as long as you like. So I have the freedom to stay in the yucky place yeah. if I want to. And I actually say you can stay in yeah. here for as long as you like. And I'm not threatening you with it. Yeah. I'm just saying you can't, you absolutely 100% can be in your yucky state. Maybe I'll leave for a little bit <laughs> for as long as you like. But you really have to be mindful of yourself and say it without it being loaded. Meaning yeah. that you're not trying to do it to get them right. to change. It's like, for real, this is an option for you. If you don't choose it, it's your choice. But and what you're saying is, it is your choice. Yeah. So you're reminding the person, it that is your have a choice. choice. Which yeah. also is like, it actually tells me that I have a choice. I can choose like, you know, door A, which is yucky, and door B, which is better. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like, it, yeah. at some point, you, the yeah. individual, it's kind of obvious that they should choose um, door B. Yeah. Um, okay, so if you were single, what, mm -hmm. you be, what would you be looking for in someone else? Oh, do you want to answer that, or do you want me to answer that first? Um, uh, well, the answer for me is really easy, actually, which is just simply like I think some people go into it go in when when they're looking for a relationship, they have sort of a list of criteria, mm -hmm. and I want the person to be this, 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 yeah. and it's like some of it is just like about attraction, like what you feel attracted to. Others is like a mental idea, of like this is what a person should be, and this is what the ideal partner would be. And I personally don't operate like that. I mean, for and me, they should look like this. They should be doing yeah. this. They, yeah. I mean, so, but for me, it's just simply like I would just feel. I would just like feel how I feel about that person. Um, sort of, and with there being um, a distinction between like sexual attraction mm -hmm. and like connection, like emotional uh, and like, I don't even know the right words exactly, but feeling that there's, there's a certain like amount of, of similarity and overlap so that there'd be, it'd be a really, really fun, like there's potential for a lot of fun and a lot of play in the relationship. That's really what I would be looking for, I think, was mm -hmm. just like, okay, there's going to be, there's going to have to be a spark of attraction. Mm -hmm. But that's not enough to make a good relationship. I mean, that's just that's purely physical. Is like where is where is that like sim like sympathy is a word that is not the synergy. right word. Synergy. Okay, that's a good word. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Like where is this like just feeling like wow, there's a great amount of synergy here together. Mm -hmm. That's what I would be looking for. Yeah. Yeah. So if I were single like me now, yeah. Um, what would I be looking for? Well. I feel like I'm a little. Well, I'm very different from you, mm. right? So I have I have a different thing. So my. <laughs> My, one of my most important things is the person makes me laugh. Mm. That's like, it's always been my number one thing. You make me laugh all the time. It's yeah. amazing. I love it. Um, and thankfully, it's very easy to make you laugh, actually. <laughs> it's true. Just point that out. So I was <laughs> like, yeah. Actually, it's funny. When I was dating in my early 20s, my sister was saying to me, like, if some guy can't make you laugh, Karen, it's like really sad. <laughs> Because my laugh, I laugh really easily. Yeah. So, and anyway, so making me laugh is, is important. So, meaning like that it, there's fun, yeah. right? That that level of fun, funniness. And I think uh, for me that it's funny. A lot of people ask, do they have to be doing frequency work? Actually, I wouldn't necessarily look for that. Mm -hmm. For me, it has to do with how present is the person with me. Yeah. Like how present can they be with me? Mm -hmm. Are they looking at the phone? Like how can they be with me? And do they have the openness and the curiosity to grow? Right. Is growth something that they're looking for? To me, that's critical. And totally. that's something that we didn't know we were looking for in each other, but that has been what Coincidentally, has, that was what's important to both important of us. To both of yeah. us. And that is what's, why we've been together for almost 30 years, because we've been growing at such a tremendous rate. Like the whole who we, time. Yeah, who we were at the beginning or even like three years ago is totally different from who we are now. Yeah. So to me, I would be looking for somebody who is growth-oriented. Because it, to me, it's not important that a person matches my resonance right away. 
it has to do with are they can they hold presence mm -hmm. like is it important for them to hold presence with me and can do they have the curiosity and the openness to want to come up to my level right right because i mean i don't mean to say that in a way that's self-aggrandizing but you know we've been doing a lot of work we've cleared cleared a lot a lot of stuff, lot of stuff. so most people are not quite at the same level yeah. of frequency resonance that we are and so um that's what i would be looking for yeah just because i know that's what a lot of women are asking right you know like what happens though? like do i have to only look for men doing frequency work no 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 right. no no not at all. Yeah, but the, the openness to change is imperative also yes. because if, if there's a partnership and one person is doing the frequency work and one is not, the one who's doing the frequency work is likely to be changing faster faster than the one who's not. Faster. And if the one who's not is not open to just change in general, mm -hmm. if, the, if keeping things exactly the same is one of their like strongest needs, that's, that's it's not going to work. So they have work. to be able to flex and, and, and like work with, to grow with the, how the other person is changing. Yeah. That's really key. That's right. Yeah. And I would say that, um, and that's that would be, f for me, what I would be looking for. And yeah. self-awareness, actually, is the other yeah. thing. Because the self-awareness accountability piece doesn't require frequency work. Right. It requires introspection and a desire to do that. Right. And so I think that if you have that, that's great. You don't yeah. need to, you know what I mean? I've done all the frequency work. You don't need to be doing it. You, right. know, you just have to, have, to me, that's what I would be looking for. Yeah. I was single. I realized also, as we were talking, mm -hmm. like, for me, I would also be looking for certain attributes too. Like, for number one for me is kindness. Yeah. Like, I really want the other person that I'm with to be kind. Yeah. That's like, so I would probably just think of like what attributes are important to me because those things aren't likely to change. Mm -hmm. Like, even as frequency work, uh, if, if people are going to do frequency work together, yes, they're going to change. They're not likely to change their very core, core nature of how they relate to other people and stuff like that. I don't... For people seeking an intimate partnership of a higher order, one of the questions, uh, we get asked most is should I clear myself completely of distortions so I can so I know that whoever I attract will be more highly resonating. Yeah. So a lot of people who come to me looking for intimate partnership feel like they have to um, like clear all their distortions. Like they have to finish. Of, they have to finish themselves completely, yeah. and then they're going to be at enough of a resonance that they can then attract somebody who they're looking for the one. Yeah. Okay. All right. So I totally understand that rationale. Uh, I don't think it's required because you have, first of all, um, there's a certain level of control there that you have to be aware of, right? Because you're thinking, okay, well, if I'm settled then, then, you know, I'm all sorted and everything's tucked away and all nicely um, completed, then I'm going to attract the one, right? The one right. who's going to be with me for the rest of my life. It's going to be glorious, et cetera. So what I would suggest is that partnership, a lot of people have certain ideas about what partnership is, and I think that partnership, even if it's a short one, can teach you a lot, right? Like even if you're together with them for like a couple of weeks, you can learn a lot from that person. And you don't have to, you know, there's this like cultural mindset that you have to be together with the one forever. Right. So I don't feel like, first of all, you're never complete with re releasing all of your stuff because you're human and part of your journey is to clarify, clarify, clarify to, in order to have who you truly are, which is infinite indestructible consciousness in embodiment experiencing life. Mm -hmm. And intimate partnership just makes that mirror stronger so you can have a different experience of what I just said. Right. So um, my short answer is no, you don't need to clear all of your stuff. As you clear more of your stuff, will you attract different people? Yes. Are they necessarily going to be in the package that you desire? Because some people think, okay, well, I'm, then I'm going to get my list. Yeah. If I clear myself up, I'm going to get the list that I want. That's not necessarily what is going to help right. you grow. Somebody who's not your list, in right. fact, might actually be the person who helps you grow the most. Right. Well, especially because your list is, is like basically conditioned by all the distortion patterns that you're running. Yeah. So and, and, and with anything that you want or desire, those that changes as your frequency resonance rises because it's it's less informed by the lower resonating distortions that we all run uh, until we start doing stuff to clear them out. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So I would say, no, you don't need to because whoever, as you clear more of your distortions, the people who come into your life for intimate partnership will be there to help you grow as you continue in your journey. So I don't, my feeling is you don't need to. Um, some people take that approach, but it's not required. Right. Okay, another question um, was, do I need to be celibate during this cleanup period when I do frequency work? So it's kind of like a follow-up question to the yeah. previous one. No, you don't. I think it's um, important to be mindful who you're sleeping with, because if you're having sex with somebody, then you are enmeshing yourself in their frequency resonance. 
If you get stronger and stronger, their frequency resonance doesn't impact you as much. Because you're holding your space Because you're better. holding your space better. If you've just started on your journey, I would recommend, you don't have to be celibate forever, but just as you're in this period of detox, chances are, first of all, you're not going to want to be enmeshed so much in other people. But to be, especially if you tend to be somebody who does enmesh yourself, to be mindful of who you're choosing to, um, yeah. to be intimate with and uh, when. Um, but I, don't, I certainly don't think you need to be celibate. I think you can learn a lot from exchanges like that. Um, yeah. But to be mindful of how much you can hold your own space before yeah. you choose to do that. Right. And intentionally do it as best you can. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Yep. Okay. And I think the last question, um, maybe the last question is, uh, what would your advice be for someone who is in intimate partnership with someone who is not doing frequency work and may not be changing at the same rate or have the same goals? Yeah. So I'm going to add another question to that, which is, do both people in the intimate partnership need to be doing frequency work in yeah. order for um, the one who is to accelerate? So the answer is no, you don't both need to be um, doing frequency work in order for the one doing frequency work to accelerate, because mm -hmm. that's a question we often get. Yeah. Um, especially if the partner, again, is present, self-aware and accountable, and growth-oriented. Right. So meaning that they can pace with you, right? So they don't as have- As you change. As you change, yeah. yes. So they don't have to be doing exactly what you're doing in order to be those things. That's just part of who they are. Yeah. If you have that, then it, it's not required at all um, because they may be doing their own thing, which mm -hmm. is great and um, really nourishing for the relationship. If you have somebody, though, who is trying to hold on to you as yeah. a certain fixed idea of what they prefer because they've known you as that person for a long period right. of time, it's going to be more painful for yeah. them because the rate of growth that you will experience and they will experience through you yeah. uh, probably will be crunchy for them. It's going to be a little chaotic. Yeah, I mean, if, if certainty is one of their highest needs and things are changing around them, that, that really... That triggers a lot of their a lot of their anxieties and and sort of other low resonating stuff. Yeah. So it yeah. can be really really challenging if the person that they are looking for for stability is is changing. Yeah. And the other thing is that in a partnership, as you you as let's say you the person doing the frequency work gets stronger and stronger, the other person leans into them more for stability. Mm -hmm. like it leans into you, meaning right. you're because you're getting stronger, brighter, etc. The other person will lean into you. For you, it's about well. How do you feel about that? You know, mm -hmm. and it may be just a conversation, like, "Hey, you're leaning into my space. Yeah. I'd really appreciate it." If you, whatever, you can have a communication about that. Without the frequency work paradigm, it's harder for them to understand what that means. Yeah. But they can still get it. I think it just takes more mindfulness around communication. But it's still possible. It's just it can be something that is a little trickier to navigate. It can right. be done. And then there are um, relationships where. Um, you're together in partnership and the certainty, the person's, other person's need for certainty is so great yeah. that it breaks the relationship. Yeah. And that has happened. Yeah, I mean, yeah. for sure, I think if someone is, really wants to take off with frequency work, um, they have to at least be willing to consider that the relationships need to change in order to, to really allow that. I mean, it's, I think some people are afraid, like, oh, like, oh if, I, if I allow myself to grow, then I'm going to lose that partner. Mm -hmm. And it's just putting it out there that, that sometimes that may actually be the best thing for someone, mm -hmm. for everyone. Yeah, right. and it's not just intimate partners. It's like friends, family, yeah. et cetera. Because sometimes those patterns that those people bind us in yeah. aren't really helpful to us. It makes them feel better. It makes us feel nice because you know we were all accustomed to the roles that we play. Right. But it doesn't allow you to actually grow, ascend, awaken, um, which may be what you're, if you're watching this, what your higher self is calling for. Yeah. So um, sometimes change is required, and it doesn't mean that those people will never come back into your life necessarily. They may or they may not. Right. But as what a natural consequence of releasing the distortion patterns, you become um, sort of more aware of who you are and what it is that uh, you are, and you're not willing to sacrifice that right. so much for someone's ease and comfort about their story about you. Yeah. Okay, cool. Well, thanks, Karen. That was really great. I really enjoyed our conversation. I hope all, all you guys do, too. Yeah. For those of you who are new, we're about to start the Group Frequency Calibration, or GFC. This is the most important part of this episode because it's where we actually do the frequency work and where change is catalyzed. So I invite you to settle in and get comfortable. You can sit, stand, or lie down or if you prefer to walk around slowly, you could even do that too. If during the GFC you find that you start falling asleep, even if you didn't feel tired when you started, 
just let yourself drift off. That just means that the frequencies are really high and it's more efficient for you to be asleep to integrate them. If this happens, it's good to listen to the GFC portion again a few times until you can stay awake for the whole thing. That's how you'll know you've integrated those higher resonating frequencies. Because I'm working on the frequency level, these GFCs are not like regular meditations, and many people find that they go into varying degrees of altered state. Please definitely do not drive while listening to this. Okay, here we go. Welcome everyone to the group Frequency Calibration on Intimate Partnership. So, of course, this is a massive topic, and uh, the purpose of this particular GFC is to help you to be able to hold your space when you are attracted to someone or are um, intimate with someone um, or are, and I mean intimate not only sexually but emotionally, okay? So uh, not that those have to be both, but... Um, in either case, all right? Okay. The more advanced uh, maneuver is to have intimacy and also hold your space at the same time. Okay, that requires a much higher level of, of resonance. So this is uh, more of an introductory GFC and more of you have issues with holding your space um, in intimate partnership than the latter, okay? So here we go. Becoming aware of your body. And as you become aware of your body, becoming aware of your lower back all the way down to your heels, okay? So that would be from your waist approximately all the way down to the backs of your heels, becoming very aware of this part of your body. So whether you're sitting, standing, or lying down, noticing things like the pressure of the weightedness of this part of the body against whatever is supporting you, if you're standing, then that weightedness isn't the same. So noticing that, noticing the texture of the fabric of your clothes or the bedding or whatever it is that your skin is touching, whether this part of the body is at ease or holding. So noticing more details about this lower back half of the body. Yeah, a very important part of holding your space is staying centered in the body, which many of you do not do. So becoming aware of the body is a really key tool to becoming centered into it. Good. Becoming aware now, please, of the arches of your feet Mm -hmm. And as you become aware of the arches of your feet, noticing the distance between one end and the other. Noticing the curve. Good. And now please become aware of your breath. And as you become aware of your breath, just noticing it for a moment or two without changing it, noticing whether you feel compelled to change it.
And then whenever you're ready, allowing your breath to deepen, to expand, to take up more room in the body. And then whenever you're ready, becoming aware of or imagining your breath becoming spherical. In most people's case, they, if they even think about the direction of their breath, they'll imagine it in front of them, or be aware of it in front of them, or perhaps behind them, okay? or maybe just in their lungs. But as you breathe, if you can imagine your breath expanding and contracting in all directions around you, as if there's this great sphere around you that started to expand and contract with your breath. Mm -hmm. Starting to cultivate spherical awareness. And even if you don't know what spherical awareness is and why it's important, you can still imagine your breath as a sphere expanding and contracting around you. Mm -hmm. And now please become aware of your surroundings. Yeah. So as you become aware of your surroundings, please become aware of a particular sense, okay? So um, in this case, becoming aware of smell. So noticing the smells around you, okay? So noticing, for example, the smell in the room that you're in or the space that you're in. And then notice if there's smells that are coming into the space from other places, like through a crack in the window or under the door, it smells of food that were made a couple of hours ago, or sorry, that was made a couple of hours ago. Perhaps you notice the smell of your own shampoo or your lotion, or the smell of the fabric detergent on sheets if you happen to be lying on your bed. So just noticing the smell around you, the wooliness of a sweater, Whatever it is. Good. And then when you're ready, please blink your eyes open, becoming aware of the quality of the light. And as you become aware of the quality of the light, just noticing it. So you're not looking at anything in particular. You're just noticing the quality of the light. So it's a very soft focus. That's all. You're not being judged on it. Just noticing it. The quality of winter light is different from summer, the time of the day. If it's cloudy, if it's sunny, like all these things impact the quality of the light. So just noticing that. Good. And for those of you more experienced, please, and who prefer to do triangulation with your eyes closed, please go ahead and close your eyes. For those of you who prefer to do it with your eyes open, including anybody who is new, uh, keeping your eyes open and triangulating with eyes open. So triangulating simply means to become aware of three inanimate objects in the space around you. And as you become aware of each of these objects, becoming aware of the distance between each object and you, and then feeling the distance between each object and you. So for example, if the dresser is about eight feet away from you, you would notice the distance between the dresser and you. And then you would feel the distance between the dresser and you. It's always the object to you. 
okay? And you would do this for objects B and C. And you'll find that as you do this, your sense of where you are in space becomes more focused, more in your awareness, and more present for you. Good. And whenever you have finished triangulating, closing your eyes, and bringing your attention to your heart space in the center of your chest in your nipple line. In addition to your xiphoid process, which is right at the base of your sternum. Your sternum is that big, thick bone in the center of your chest where your ribs meet in front of your body. Your xiphoid process is right at the base of your sternum. So if you trace your finger along the sternum, and become aware of the fleshy point right underneath the bone. That's your xiphoid process. So becoming aware of the xiphoid process and the center of the heart, and in fact putting a hand and or a finger on both of these places, assuming that they're available to you. Good. Taking a nice deep breath in. Hold it for a count of four. And then whenever you're ready, I finish that four count, releasing the air at the speed and intensity you prefer, holding your breath out for as long as you'd like. Notice how short or long you choose. There's no judgment around it. Just notice. And whenever you've completed that one long single breath, breathing normally as we wait for the mastermind to coalesce and become coherent. For those of you who are new, please know that I'm working on you at the group and the subgroup level, and that I often work in silence, because as I access higher and higher frequencies and work in them, uh, to make physical noise only um, drops the resonance, which doesn't serve you. So if you don't hear me, please know that I am still working on you. And I also make sound. So if you do hear me yawn or exhale or hum, um, just know that that's often, not always, but often how I remove some of the heavier, stickier distortion patterns. Keeping your attention on these two spots. Just waiting for the mastermind to gel. Here we go. Let's go ahead now and ask ourselves the question. How can I become even more aware of my connection only to pure source? And that question again, for those of you who are new, is how can I become even more aware of my connection only to pure source. And as you become aware, of this question that you're asking, becoming aware of imagining, perceiving the inside of your body. In fact, the very center of it, wherever that is for you. And as you imagine or become aware of the very center of the inside of your body, 
imagining or becoming aware of a brilliance at its center that starts to get brighter, much, much more intense. And because it's intensifying, it very naturally expands outwards through all of your cells. through your organs. Your bones. Out through your muscles. Your flesh. And out through the pores of your skin into the space between your physical body and your spirit body at arm's length all around you. So your spirit body, once again, is a sphere at arm's length all around you. And as this brilliance intensifies within the sphere, noticing It's brilliance. Good. And now please become aware of the space all around the sphere. And as you become aware of this infinite space, I'm working at spirit level to increase your frequency resonance irrespective of where it began. Good. Now, how high your frequency resonance is dictates everything from what your reality looks like, how you perceive it, how much distortion you can release, and how quickly you integrate. It dictates everything. So this is one of the most important things we do together. Excellent. Bringing your attention now, please, to the top part of your solar plexus. So your solar plexus is between your belly button and the base of your sternum. So if you imagine the top half of that. Okay. So... Um, there's a lot of scatter happening, meaning when you um, partner with somebody or are attracted to someone, your tendency is to enmesh, okay, for the most part, okay, for most of you in this mastermind. Okay, for some of you, you go into defense, actually, because okay, you're afraid of it. So there's a couple of really different responses, okay? Uh, some don't, uh, this is a very, very tiny subgroup that don't, doesn't feel anything, usually. And they want to feel that connection. They want to feel love, but they don't have any, you don't have any um, ability to do that. And you've been waiting for this magical connection that isn't happening. All right. So irrespective of which subgroup you're in, okay, it's a different permutation of the same thing, meaning you're not... Um, holding your space at a high enough level. So for those of you who bleed into another or enmesh with another, okay, 
We have the pattern of low self-worth, non-deserving, and seeking to find validation, love, acceptance from another. Okay, so that's that subgroup. It's the biggest one by far. The other where you go into defense. So this is a fear that you'll lose yourself in the other. Okay, very different distortion. And for the third subgroup that I've named, there are other ones, but let's just, these are the biggest ones. Um, because you don't feel anything. Part of it is that you haven't accessed the, um, well, there's a number of reasons. One is uh, you're not even aware that you uh, don't feel safe in relationship, okay? Because you might get overwhelmed. So there's a defense mechanism for some of you, kind of like the second group. And the other is that there's almost like this um, numbness or a buffer between you and other that you can't seem to breach, okay? So, um, or bridge, that's what I meant to say, excuse me. So, in any case, all very different, okay? We're working on all these different groups, or subgroups, I should say. Here we go, just keeping your attention. In that spot, in fact, moving your hand, the upper part of the solar plexus is probably a good idea. Yeah. And if you can, that same brilliance that you imagined from deep within the center of the body, it's also going to appear here. Okay, so in your imagination or in your awareness, allowing for that brilliance to expand and amplify out through this space, however that happens for you. Notice if you could keep your focus on that brilliance expanding or whether you couldn't. There's nothing wrong with it. Just notice how long you could hold that for and if you could keep intensifying it. Okay? So bringing your attention now, please, to your heart space. So this is uh, the fear of being hurt. And for some of you, the fear of being left. Okay, so helping to release this. For some of you, this is really quite deep and there are multiple layers. For others of you, it's not so much. Okay, so. Good. Bringing your attention now to that xiphoid process, right under that sternum. Yeah. And about three inches or seven centimeters directly beneath it, down towards the belly button in a straight line. Yeah, clearing out the pain body because the pain body has a memory. of you before the frequency work was done. So it makes it harder to integrate the work. This just takes a couple of seconds to clear out. Makes integration faster. Mm -hmm. 
Good. This brings us to the end of this group frequency calibration. I look forward to working with you on the next GFC. If the topic of this GFC resonates with you, it's very likely that more work than can be provided in this one GFC is needed to clear or loosen deeply held distortion patterns in areas that are sticky. Because these patterns are like layers of an onion, usually there are multiple layers to individual topics. Depending on how much of a challenge this topic is for you, it may make sense for you to go deeper than what this one session allows. If you feel this is the case for you, please visit sphericalluminosity.com for more targeted support. If you'd like an opportunity to ask me questions in real time, then subscribe to the Spherical Luminosity YouTube channel and click the reminder bell to be notified when I'm about to go on live. For the latest news about upcoming events and to be notified when sessions with me are released, subscribe to our newsletter. Join us and let's rise together.